Our second scripture reading, our New Testament passage, comes from the book, the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter. Let us listen for the word of God speaking among us today. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. And they, so they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This passage today starts with a scene that could be from a comedy or maybe a Monty Python sketch. We have a crowd of people chasing Jesus down a mountain and across the lake of Galilee, firing questions as they run towards him. They are coming for him because they are fascinated, excited by this teacher, this miracle worker. Right before this passage in the book of John, we've had the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus broke bread and shared it and shared the loaves and the fishes, and it was enough to cover the whole crowd. So now the people are amazed, and they are hungry for more of whatever this Jesus is serving. So, Rabbi, they keep shouting, Rabbi, when did you come here? Rabbi, what must we do to perform the works of God? What sign are you going to give us then? What works are you next performing? We get five questions in five verses when it seems that all Jesus wants is five minutes of peace. Still, he answers them. He takes time and he responds. Perhaps we can sympathize with these crowds. They do not want to let Jesus out of their sight. They received a gift, a miracle of bread, and they are dazzled. Like a child hungry for attention, they want to stick close to Jesus, to be in his presence. They've received a glimpse of something, and they don't want to let it go. They've received a glimpse of real food and real connection, and now that, they've reali- now that they have realized that they are hungry, fiercely, ferociously, unfailingly hungry. These crowds don't fully understand all that is going on with this Jesus, but here is one thing that they now know. They need
need to be fed. This is the same truth today as it was 2,000 or 200,000 years ago. We all need to be fed. Food is central to survival. For hundreds of generations, a human's entire activity in a day was spent trying to make sure the family would survive and not starve. Even with the development of agriculture and technology in the time of Jesus, most of the daily work of a household was about trying to feed and shelter each other. The work it takes to feed each other was brought home to me by the local exhibit of servant life at Maymont House, if you have ever been there. Perhaps many of you have seen the beautifully, glamorously decorated upstairs, but in the last 10 years, there has been an exhibit below stairs where you can see the kitchen and the laundry room and the wine cellar and the small living spaces of the servants. One part of the exhibit that really stood out to me was a plaque on the wall with questions about what the servants did with their day, how much time it took to uphold the work of the household. I don't remember the exact specifics, but I know it, remember it took about two hours to get the master of the house ready each day for the butler, and it took anywhere from half a day to several days in a row for the cook to prepare an opulent dinner. It is amazing to think how much work and time and energy took to putting food on the table of the Dooley family, the family upstairs, every day. Anyone who talks or writes about self-made millionaires hasn't thought through what it takes to pull off a dinner. We are all in the same boat today, although we might have a bit of a different perspective. We don't need to spend as many hours on food supply because somebody else, a farmer, plants our seeds. Somebody else, probably a migrant worker, harvests the field. Somebody else, a factory worker, packages the chicken, the peas, and the other foodstuffs that are then carted by somebody else across the country before somebody else puts it on the shelf. And perhaps somebody else picks it up and purchases it and brings it to our door. And so we can receive food these days, which allows us to survive with minimal amount of time worrying about it. And we have to admit that if one of these things broke down in this long chain, if migrant or factory workers disappeared, if grocery stores closed or food regulations failed, if our car or our health broke down and we couldn't make it to the store, we would all be stuck up a creek without a paddle, without any ability to feed ourselves. We all are hungry, we all need to be fed, and we all depend on someone else to help feed us. Jesus is talking here in the scripture in abstract terms about being the bread of life, about an eternal bread that abides and endures. But let us not make the mistake of seeing his words as merely about the spiritual or metaphorical feeding the Bible isn't just concerned about some far-off, distant idea of food. The Bible is intently, intimately, perhaps sometimes even tediously, concerned with feeding people right here and right now. And so if you, if you look throughout the scriptures, there are numerous chapters addressing regulations on when farms should be allowed to lie fallow and when they should be harvested, on what part of meat to eat and what part to save, 
We, throughout the scriptures, have story after story of God's people being hungry and being fed. From the Israelites wandering in the wilderness to Ruth and Naomi, Joseph and his brothers, all refugees fleeing famine. We see crowds gathering for hours on a hillside, listening to Jesus, not even thinking about their stomachs until they are desperately hungry. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and says, you give them something to eat. Jesus might want people to think about more than their stomachs. He might be pointing to more than what is just in front of them. But it seems that throughout the scriptures, Jesus is acknowledging that full stomachs are important. And so we see Jesus feed the crowds and feed the disciples, and he shares parables about feeding, and he talks about hospitality and food and the banquet of heaven and the bread that endures and a hunger that will finally fully be satisfied. We all need to be fed. The scriptures take feeding seriously. But as Jesus reveals, the food of this earth isn't the end of the story. Satisfaction right now isn't the ultimate goal. These stories of feeding, of wonders and signs, are pointing to something else, something broader and deeper and grander than even the miracle of a crowd being fed by a few loaves and fishes. Food is something we all need. We can all easily understand. And so Jesus starts there, starts with something we can grasp. He is using this feeding to point to a greater mystery, to illuminate a greater truth, to provide us a more beautiful promise that one day you will be satisfied forever. Jesus of Nazareth feeds the people, but he also points to a real longing and hunger in the world, a real longing and hunger which extends beyond the meal which has just been served. I wonder if you know something of this hunger. No matter how spiritually or physically fed you have been, if you sit in silence with your own spirit for a few minutes, I wonder if you too might start to feel a pang of hunger deep within your gut, a pulse of longing, a pinprick of yearning, something that gnaws at you, that is not satisfied even by the most delicious meal. There is a deep line of belief in the Christian faith, particularly in our Presbyterian tradition, that declares that this longing, this deep, ultimate longing, isn't bad. This longing is what it means to be human. In fact, our theology says that God is revealed in this deep, aching, hungering longing. If we are content with everything just as it is in the world, we might grow complacent about working for a better life and a better, more healing, whole world for others. If we thought that we could just get food on our own and be fully satisfied all on our own, we wouldn't seek anything beyond ourselves. When we acknowledge that our world, our lives fall short of what they could be, we are working out the muscles of faith. We are opening our hearts to something broader than ourselves. When we realize that we have a deep hunger, 
that is not filled forever by even the most luxurious meal, then we realize that we cannot feed ourselves on our own, and that is when we start to look around for bread that is more lasting than our own bread, for a table that is wider and stretches longer than our own table. We are like the crowds. We have been fed, but we are clamoring for more. And in small actions of everyday life, we might have received glimpses of what justice and righteousness look like, but still we yearn for more. We might have seen a glimpse of what it looks like when people join together and work for a common good. Perhaps you have seen it here in this church community. But then it didn't last forever. You had to get back to work. And now you're crying out for more. We are all crying out for a bread that endures. We are crying out for a cup that never runs dry. We are all realizing yet again that all of us need to be fed. The good news is that in our longing, we can discover God. And in our need, we can discover Christ. And in our hunger, we can discover our purpose for living together. Our hunger indeed reveals that there is still work to be done, that there is still something to live for, something to hope for, something to reach for. I know a campus minister who talked about the difference in her responses when she would offer up an event that included food or didn't include food. When it would include food, inevitably her RSVP list would be much longer and with much greater enthusiasm and commitments. And she sent out in a tweet, she said, food and ministry go together. Hmm, I think Jesus was on to something. (laughs) We all need to be fed. And so the crowd in the scriptures are not finished with just one good meal. They are calling out for more. This one meal is only the taste of something that they need each and every day. And so they cry out to Jesus, what can we do? What are you going to do next? And how can we join in? You know, we all need to be fed, and in that need, we can each discover a reason for living. In our need, we can discover a life of discipleship and a community of purpose. Last Sunday, I asked each of you to carry an image from our second hymn of God, carry this image with you through the week and see what it revealed to you. It was wonderful to hear the array of responses. Some of you connected with the idea of God as root and vine. Several of you said rock and cloud. Some of you connected with the idea of God as presence, as light, as shelter, as comfort. And some of you couldn't narrow it down and said, can I have four words? Yes, you could. I hope as you carried this image with you, it helped you catch a glimpse of something that was going on all around you. Something of God's abundance something of God's presence. I hope that the Spirit fed you with this image over the past week. And yet, we must admit, much to our chagrin, that our spiritual nourishment, no matter how meaningful, never lasts forever. No matter how satisfied we might be right now, we will need to be fed again 
Like the Israelites in the wilderness, we can see manna fall from the sky. We can open our hands with rejoicing. We can eat our fill and give thanks and be satisfied. But tomorrow we still will need to be fed again. We have already been fed, and yet we are not yet fed forever. The husband of a UCC pastor who writes a blog called Don't Eat Alone wrote this passage about communion. He writes, We share the bread and the cup as if our lives depend on it. When I share the meal by moving to the communion table to receive the elements by intinction, which is how we will receive it today, I realize that this sacred breadline is really just a better-dressed version of the same that leads into the local soup kitchen. Both of these lines are a sign of connectedness and solidarity. We all come hungry and go away fed. As we approach the table with our need, we are reminded once more that we are not alone. We are not alone in our need to be fed. So how do we live now with this reality? How do we live as a people who are already being fed by the Christ among us and also as a people who still long to be satisfied by a bread that endures? How do we live in this in-between time when we are grateful for what we have received and yet still hopeful and longing for what is still to come? How do we appreciate what we have today but still work for a more complete, whole, and healing future? Looking at scripture, how do we live as people who have been given a delicious meal and yet who still want to chase Jesus down for more? We start by admitting our need. We start by admitting that we all are hungry, that we all need to be fed. We continue to admit that we all depend on others for food. We continue to look for manna, even in the wilderness. We continue to seek Christ along the highways and byways in the crowds and on the hilltops. We continue to seek the fruits of the Spirit blooming in our midst. We continue to set a wide table with love and care, and we continue to set this table and invite others to join us. We continue to pull up a chair and give thanks to God for what is there. How do we live now? We continue to break bread and say this is food and so much more. We continue to pour out a cup of the new covenant and say this is drink and so much more. We continue to live as if we are being given a delicious meal now and as if we will need to be fed again soon. We continue to live live as if we will need this food again, we will need this sustenance again, we will need this help to feed ourselves again. We live as if we will continue to need this community, this story, this meal, this prayer, this promise. We will need to hear and experience these things again and again and again. Whomever we are, Wherever we are from, whether we are from the poorest of the poor to the richest of the rich, we all are hungry. We all need to be fed. We all depend on someone else to help feed us. No one knows this better than the one who became flesh, 
who became blood, who became human, who became God with us on the journey of life and faith. So let us not pretend we are all okay by ourselves. Let us not pretend we can be fed wholly on our own. We all are hungry. We all have a need to be fed. No one knows this better than Christ himself. And so we are invited to the table, and we do not come alone. Thanks be to the living Lord.